You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I am so excited to be back with another podcast episode and this time we're going to be chatting away with online nutrition counselor Chris Sandel of Seven Health. Chris classifies himself as a perpetual student. His life is about learning everything he can in respect to health and nutrition. He thrives off of challenging everything he learns, especially those things found in mainstream news. As a result, he has knowledge in many wide areas such as psychology, behavior, happiness, reward systems, and decision-making, all of which come together to help him improve the health and ultimately the life of his clients. One of the reasons I was drawn to Chris is because of his passion for helping people heal the relationship with food through body image. He knows that in order to finally find peace with food, you must first develop a respectful relationship with your body and mind. Chris knows that the answer to real health isn't found within portion sizes, demonizing sugar, limiting calories, and stressing over macronutrient intake. Instead, he takes a practical approach that respects the bio-individuality of the human body, and in such, he heals people for life. I am so stoked to get started with Chris today, so let's welcome him to the show. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, really well. How are you doing, Maladin? I am doing wonderful. So excited to have you on the show. Cheers. Yeah, me too. So go ahead and give us a little bit of background information. How did you get so interested in health to begin with? Um, so I was a pretty healthy kid. I was always pretty small and really didn't have that much of an interest in food. Um, I was just always kind of full with energy. We'd be kind of running around. It just food was one of those things that just didn't kind of capture my attention very much. And it wasn't until sort of maybe sort of 17 or 18 that I started getting a bit more interested in food. And when I say interested in food, I mean, was just eating more kind of junk food. I sort of went off to university and because I'd always been slim, I really just didn't pay much attention to what I'd eat. So I'd be eating sort of lots of KFC and kebabs and McDonald's and the kind of food that I don't really recommend these days, but it was just what sort of appealed to me. And while I was starting to do that, I noticed some changes in my health. So I started to get sort of really bad skin and probably for about two or three years, I was constantly sort of on and off antibiotics. And I do a course of antibiotics for sort of two months or three months and things had improved. And then really within about a week, two weeks, three weeks of coming off, it had sort of start up again. And I noticed that my kind of sleep was pretty bad at the time. And I'd always been someone who'd sort of sleep really well, but I'd have real trouble getting to sleep or I'd be waking up in the night. Um, I just noticed kind of slumps in my energy a little bit. And again, I was someone who'd always just had really good energy. And at the time, I really made no connection between sort of what I was eating and any of these things. I just kind of put it up to the fact that I was kind of young, I was sort of at university, I was drinking, I was having sort of late nights and so just didn't really think about it that much. 
And at the age of 21, I finished a business degree and I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I sort of worked really hard through school, or at least for the last couple of years, got sort of decent grades, got into university, worked hard through a business degree and then finished it and was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I decided that I'd take some time out to do a little bit of traveling and see if I could sort of work things out. And so I moved from, I was originally from Sydney in Australia and moved over to London and sort of instantly fell in love with the place. And it was when I first moved over here, I moved in with a couple and they've now become like my family over here. I'm the godfather to one of their daughters. And within the first like two or three or four weeks, it was really early on from moving over. Um, Lisa, the girl in the couple was doing a detox and she said, look, why don't you why didn't you do it with me? Like she'd obviously noticed my skin wasn't great. She noticed I was constantly bringing back boxes of KFC and pretty junk food to the house. And she said, look, just try it out. And so I did that with her for a four week period to just really notice some changes. And my skin got much better. My sleep got much better. Uh, it just had a real transformational effect. And it was at that point that I really started to make the connection between sort of the food that I was eating and then how I was feeling and the impact that it would have. And look, truth be told, within sort of a month, five weeks, six weeks of then stopping that detox, things started to go back to the way they were. But I made that sort of connection between, okay, there is something going on between what I'm eating and how this is affecting my body. And it was probably then over the next two years that I sort of swing between sort of being pretty healthy and and doing sort of detoxes or eating healthier or whatever it may be and then being pretty unhealthy and doing the kinds of things you would associate with a sort of 20 something living in London who is single um, and it was just going through that process and just noticing those changes that it really just opened up my eyes to lots of different foods and I guess I'm not a big one for sort of recommending detoxes. I don't think that they work in the way that most people think that they work. But for me, it actually really helped because it made me make changes after that detox. And it got me to eat foods that I previously hadn't eaten before and started to make that connection. And that was how kind of I first started to get into nutrition. And then so sort of shortly after that, um, sort of two years afterwards, decided that I kind of I don't know when it was, there was some kind of moment where I was like, you know what I'm finding, I'm reading tons on nutrition, I'm finding I'm kind of bringing it up in conversation a lot with people, probably to the annoyance to a lot of people. Um, and I was like, you know what, this is what I've decided, or this is what I've been searching for. This is like something I'm passionate about. This is something I'd like to do. And so I decided to to do a a course and studied with the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London. And it's a three-year uh, diploma. And I then qualified as a nutritionist and sort of I went from there. Wow, that's amazing. That's so much in there. When did you start challenging and questioning the information that you were learning? So when it started happening was probably... The more I started working with clients um, and also working on myself and just starting to see that a lot of the information that I'd been sort of taught and a lot of the information that I was reading about that just didn't add up when I put it into practice and when I tried it out in real life. And I noticed this within myself, um, especially like while I was studying as a nutritionist, I started training 
and started doing a hell of a lot of exercise, really. Um, it was a bit of a drunken bet with some friends and decided to do a triathlon. And at this stage, I wasn't really doing very much exercise. I'd go for the occasional run. I'd go to the gym a little bit. But it was at this stage where I really started to kind of ramp up my training. And I was training fairly heavily. And I'm a, a kind of pretty competitive guy and fairly competitive with myself. And what I was finding was that I was doing a lot of the things that I'd been sort of told to do in terms of the foods that I should be eating. And I was eating lots of kale and I was eating lots of greens and I was eating lots of kind of quote unquote whole foods and, and just doing the things that I really should be doing. But I was starting to get a lot of the symptoms that I was kind of previously getting before. So I was starting to kind of have a little bit of lethargy and I was having problems with my sleep and I was starting to get a little bit of night sweats and just things weren't working the way that they should be. And it, it's kind of in hindsight that I realized that a lot of the stuff that I was eating just wasn't sort of calorie dense enough. It just wasn't enough for the kind of training that I was doing. And I started to see this a lot more with, with clients as well. And in 2014, I did 150 hours of free consults with people. Um, it's kind of the way that I often take on clients. And also, I was just kind of quite happy to kind of chat with people and give people advice. And what I found by going through all of these chats with people was that a lot of people were doing the, the, the kind of same things. They were eating the same kind of diets and they were experiencing the same kinds of problems. And these people weren't doing kind of bad things and kind of bad in kind of quotes in terms of they weren't eating kind of fast food all the time. They weren't constantly living off takeaways. They were doing the stuff that they'd been told that they should be doing. They were eating kind of vegetables. They were eating fruits. They were eating salads. They were... Um, having stir fries. They were doing the stuff that they were told that they should be to kind of be healthy, but just getting really poor results with it. And it's through kind of seeing that, that I started to realize, and I've known it for a while, but it became kind of just really obvious to me that the information that kind of we're being told about how to be healthy just doesn't add up in the real world in terms of what actually works for people. And so it was then very much about, okay, finding out what works. And for me, a lot of the focus then is shifting away from kind of thinking about kind of quote unquote healthy foods or that these are good things or these are superfoods and really getting people to focus much more on themselves and working out what really works for them and really getting away from sort of dogmatic ideas about, well, you've got to do this or you should have this amount of carbs or you shouldn't have carbs or the eggs are bad or whatever it may be and starting to work out what works for that person. And in some cases, that's them having foods that are quote unquote unhealthy for certain periods or that they should be doing things that they really thought that they should never be eating or never be doing, but it actually really helps them and actually helps them to heal. Yeah, exactly. I find that a lot of times people avoid eating those foods that are good for them, but not necessarily healthy to mainstream nutrition experts. They, they don't want to eat those foods because they're scared of what other people think. And it's like really tough because a lot of people find themselves labeled as that salad girl or that juice cleanse girl. And they have to break out from eating that way and to eat other things because their body is calling them to eat other things, but ignore 
the comments other people make about them like oh my god you're gonna eat that and it's like it's such a personal journey being in touch with your intuition again do you ever find that that to be true like people just don't want to eat those certain foods that their body is calling for specifically because they're scared about what other people are going to say about it oh totally and i like i think a lot of times uh like why people diet is that there's a real camaraderie in terms of dieting. Like if you're that person who's sort of eating what you want or eating kind of to be like healthy because it sort of works for you and you're not the person in the office who's doing a diet or the person in the office who's doing that that thing that everyone else is doing, it really makes you an outsider. And I think that's really difficult for a lot of people. And just going back to what you said before, I'm, it's quite funny whenever I go out to dinner or meet people for uh, the first time in that kind of food social setting and they hear that I'm a nutritionist and then watching their faces, they try and order food as there's this like, oh my God, how am I going to order some food in front of this guy? He's going to be judging me. What is he going to order, etc. And I'm always the one who like ends up ordering a pizza or a burger or whatever, because I just like eating that food when I go out. It's not the stuff that I normally make when I'm at home, but it's really this kind of uh, fear comes over people in terms of, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to make the wrong decision in front of this guy and he's going to be really judging me. And I think there's this real belief around about kind of what are healthy foods and what are not healthy foods. And people really need to kind of break away from that sort of black and white thinking and start to focus much more on themselves. Oh my gosh, exactly. And it's funny because like they're so worried about you judging them and then you order a burger or pizza or whatever and then they make a comment as if they're judging you because you're a nutritionist and like you're eating that and like everyone just is judging each other but in essence no one is judging each other like everyone is in their own world they're so focused on their own diet and their own nutrition no one really cares what anyone else is eating and like I totally I can totally relate to that because a couple years ago when I was doing like my fitness shows and people would you know, see a picture or just know who I was. And then I would go out to eat with them. I could never order what I wanted to order because I was so obsessed with being that girl and like people seeing me as that way. And I remember one time we were, I was out to eat with a bunch of people for like a football game or something. And they ordered guacamole, which isn't even unhealthy at all, which is great <laughs> for you. Like avocado was like awesome. And they made comments like, Oh, Madeline, don't look at us as we eat this. You're not going to eat any, right? Like you shouldn't eat any. This is so bad for you. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> okay, but I was still so impressionable that I was like, yeah, like in my mind, I was like, yeah, like I can't have that. I guess that's that's not that good, even though like I'd studied the science and I knew it. People's comments are that powerful. Yeah, and look, what I also find is a lot of the time people think other people are making comments. And like in that situation, people actually make comments. But clients are always saying to me, oh, people at work, they're judging me or they're thinking this or they're thinking that. And I'm like, how do you know that? I'm like, I, I, I honestly bet you that they're not thinking any of those things. Like they have way more important things going on in their lives, things that they're worried about. Like they are not paying attention to what you have for lunch. And if they are, like who cares? Like you, uh, what you eat has no influence on them whatsoever. Like when you get sick because you're trying to follow some way of eating that you think that they want you to do, they're not going to be the ones that are there to help you and help you heal. Like you're the one who's going to have to do that stuff on your own. So I'm always like, look, people A, are not thinking what you're, that, that you believe they're thinking about and B, even if they are, like who cares? 
Exactly. Like if someone really cares how you're eating and they're going to judge you by what's on your plate, then they're obviously not a good person or friend. <laughs> like yeah. you don't need them in your life. You don't need to care. Like if you keep giving other people the, the, if you give them the decision to tell you how you should live, like you're never going to have self-trust as you know, if you keep giving people permission to judge you for that kind of thing and like control your actions, then you're never going to develop that crucial self-trust. Yeah, totally. And it, it really does. It has to come down to the individual. They have to be the one that cares about what they're eating and they have to be the ones that makes the decisions because ultimately they're the ones that are going to know what works for them. Mm -hmm. It's not some diet book. It's not someone else. And look, even when I'm working with people, like one of the biggest things is like, I can't do anything for you. Like I can tell you the things that I think you can do based on my understanding of physiology and what you're telling me. I'm like, okay, I want you to do this or I think you should try this out. But you're then the one that has to then put that into, into practice and then come back and say, you know what, that really worked. Or actually, I noticed that this happened and it wasn't so great. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, based on that information, why don't you try this out? And it is very much a two-way street and it is very much about feedback. But if the individual isn't open to sort of making those uh, changes, if they're not open to kind of experimenting and uh, trying things out, then it's just never going to work. Exactly. And to add on to that, if, if you're the type of person that really does care what other people think and you're always thinking about what other people could be thinking about you, one thing that's really important to try to do is to stop telling everyone what you're doing and how you're eating and make this a real personal journey. For example, like... People who post their foods on Facebook or their meals on Instagram seeking people to say, I like that, or like click a like or whatever and comment on it and say, oh my God, you're so healthy. You're seeking for that affirmation and you're really eating foods based upon how many likes you think you're going to get. Like it sounds yeah. silly, but it's so true. People do that all the time. Like they eat a cheat meal, which I hate that phrase, but they'll say like eating my burger and fries cheat meal and they look for like confirmation from other people that that's okay. And so this yeah. only reinforces that, you know, other people have a huge impact on the decisions you make with your diet. So it's like super important to, if, to realize if you're one of those people to stop posting those pictures, like I know it might be hard and you're scared you're going to lose some followers, but like it helps so much in the long run to make this journey personal so you can really find what your intuition wants. And also, I mean, it might seem strange for me to see, to say, sorry, as a nutritionist, but like food isn't that important. Like you want to do the, the things right with your health so that it allows you to then have the energy, to have the focus, to have the ability to do the like real important things in life. And like when I'm working with someone, like in the beginning, yeah, we do have to focus on things a little bit more, but I want it to get to a stage where that stuff just falls into the background. Like they can get up and they know what they need to be doing. And it's not that food just overtakes and dominates their life. Like that's not the point. And I think a lot of people really uh, make that mistake is when they try and get into health, it becomes like this huge focal point of their whole life and it's like they're spending all their waking hours like finding juicing recipes and being chained to the kitchen and going to the gym and all this when it should be something that allows you to do the stuff that's way more important in life and I really think that people need to sort of understand that and I guess like as you're saying like getting away from kind of posting pictures on uh, Instagram or Facebook about like the meal I'm eating and look I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you're going to a nice restaurant or, or whatever it may be but if it's for a, 
uh, from a place of sort of validation or any of those mm-hmm. things, then yeah, I think it's going to be causing some problems. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, like a lot of times people do think that health means eating lots of plants or losing weight or going to the gym. Um, so what are some of the other things that aren't necessarily given the attention they need that make you a healthy person? So for me, I think there's a real, um, misunderstanding in terms of health where people very much chase appearance versus kind of really going after genuine health. And when most people think about like, is my diet working? Is what I'm doing working? It's normally based on, have I lost weight? Have I now got abs? Have I dropped a dress size? Like very much like what number is it showing on the scale? As opposed to looking at like genuine markers for how is my health doing? So when I'm working with people, I'm very much getting them to really focus on their different symptoms. And this can be as as kind of simple as, okay, like, how is your sleep? Are you finding that your sleep is improving? How is your energy throughout the day? How is your mood? Um, Before I start working with them, I get them to fill out a pretty detailed um, entrance form. And as part of that, I'll go through. And so I'm like checking off the things that they've marked down is that they're getting regularly and it's happening and saying, okay, are you still getting headaches? Is this going on? So that people start to focus on those things and start to realize that they should be the stuff that you use to start to judge, you know, what is, is what I'm doing really working? Because it is really easy to lose weight in the short term. And there's lots of different ways that you can do that. And the problem being is that you do that in the short term and you're like, yay, I'm winning. And then three, six, nine months later, that stuff starts to catch up with you. And the disappointing or the difficult thing with it is often it's this diet that you've started doing that you then have thought, you know what, I've now finally found like the holy grail. Like This is what I've been searching for. Everything's working really well. That then starts to go wrong. And it then becomes really difficult to get your head around that actually this might not have been good all along, despite the fact that you had some real positive results in those first three months or six months, actually this isn't good for you. And what people typically do is they really start to hold on and they start to get more strict about what they were doing before. So they were on low carb before and they're like, okay, I just need to bring those carbs down even more. Or they were doing juicing before and they're like, okay, I now need to be having more of my food be raw or whatever it may be. And it's those real, in the short term, the gains were, I was great, I was losing weight, but then all these other problems start to arise because of it. And so getting people to really focus on different uh, symptoms is really important. Oh my gosh, I'm so, so glad that you pointed that out because that is so true. And like, I don't know, I, I remember just like, I mean, I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever really spoken about this, and I, I've actually told you this, Chris, but I'm going to go ahead and just tell everybody, doing those diets that I did for that fitness competition, it made me lose my period in, like, January of 2014, and now it's January of 2015, and I still don't have it. So, like, it's all because of that diet and of hurting my body and from leaning out and leaning out and being so entirely consumed with it and, like, sticking with this low-calorie diet because of the short-term gains and of watching my body change and I was so obsessed with it and I didn't even care that my period was disappearing and like it's a year later and I'm still working on it and I know there are things I can do to like get it back like even go take those progesterone 
pills or whatever, but like that's just not something I want to do right now. I'm working on it the natural way. But like that's a firsthand example of how detrimental dieting can be if you're going about it the wrong way. And if you're if you continue, like I continue to lower my calories and to train harder and to like, oh, my body's not changing enough. I should just add in an extra cardio session this week, maybe another cardio session. And this kind of stuff happens all the time. And so when you look at other people like fitness models and you see their pictures, well, you don't know if they're infertile now. You don't know if they get the worst sleep of their life because they look that way. You have to remember that health is a very individual journey. And like health for you may mean something completely different from health for somebody else. Totally. And, and I would say that probably when you were making that progression and your body was quote unquote improving, like on the outward sign, like people would be thinking or saying to you like, wow, what are you doing? It's working really well. Like I remember I was having a chat with a, a friend and she, she had like had a, a stomach virus for like two weeks and she'd been like in horrible shape. She'd been like things coming out both ends, like just miserable and she she finally got over it and she she went out um and people were like wow what have you been doing you look amazing and she was like you don't want to know how sick i've been but people uh, like just look at the outward appearance and think well they obviously know what they're doing and she's like you have no idea how much hell i've been through Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it's so important to be that person to speak up about it. So good on her for being able to say something because so oftentimes that will just be a trigger for people. Like they'll hear something like you look amazing or whatever and then, you know, they never want to go back to a different size because of those comments. And like that happens for a lot of people. So being able to put on more weight and to feel good and to actually be healthy, you know, feel confident in that and feel amazing about that because you just accomplished something that a lot of people can't. And it's so important to start speaking up about what real health means. Yeah. And, and I really do think there has to be a, a huge shift in terms of what people define as, as healthy because we've turned into this or got to this really warped place where it is very much dictated by people being a really small weight or they're um, being a really small dress size or then being able to uh, run for a really long time or to eat a very small amount of food or whatever it may be. And um, I just really, I feel for so many people that I work with because they are doing all of these things. And in a lot of ways, they're achieving what they set out to achieve in terms of they've got the the body in terms of the weight or whatever, but it's just not enough. And they've got to this place where they're like, I thought I would be happy because of this. And it's not brought me any happiness. It's just brought me sort of more, more guilt, more shame and more anguish. And just it just overtakes their life. And it's not kind of creating the freedom that they really set out to achieve. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so when you have a client that's like very dedicated to creating a particular type of body, how do you get them to adjust their mindset? Well, to start with, before I take anyone on, and I, the, the way I work, I'll, I'll just frame this for a second. The way I work with someone is I work with them for a period of five months. I see them for an hour every two weeks, and there's sort of 10 sessions over those five months. But before I ever work with someone, I will have a chat with them for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, sometimes an hour, just to make sure that we are the right fit. Because I don't want to make promises to people um, or work with someone who doesn't sort of align with the way that I want to practice. 
and there's tons of people out there who will happily help you lose weight and help you lose weight in a really um, quick time and all of that, but that's just not who I am and that's not the people I want to work with. So before starting with someone, we'll have a real detailed chat and I'm like, okay, well, look, this is what I offer. This is the way that I work and just make sure that they're, they're okay with that. And what I would then say based on that is a lot of what I do is it's not even nutrition in a lot of ways or it's not what a lot of people think about as nutrition. So in most people's mind when they think about nutrition, it's like this guy's going to set me a meal plan. He's going to tell me sort of the foods to eat. He's going to tell me how often I need to eat or how many carbs I need to have and blah, blah, blah. And look, I will do some of that stuff. But a lot of the time when I'm working with people, it's very much kind of putting on a sort of therapist type hat and getting to really understand sort of why people uh, make the choices they do, why people have the behaviors that they do. And I'm a kind of a big one for saying like people keep their problems for a reason. And what I mean by that is people do things because there's some benefit that they get from it. So when someone's restricting their eating or when someone's kind of purging or when someone's doing something, there is some benefit that they're getting from that. And rather than just sort of taking away someone's um, crutch and saying, look, you're just being silly, you're being stupid, just stop doing that. It's like, okay, wow, this is obviously really important to you. Like, let's work out what this is doing for you. Let's work out what you're getting from this. And from there, it's like, okay, we can see that this is helping you to feel control in your life or this is helping you to do whatever it may be. And it's then a matter of, okay, how can we find much more constructive ways of meeting those needs um, that are going to fulfill them in a, in a much better way? So you don't have to be behaving in this manner, um, but you can still have those needs being met. And I think a lot of people, when they say, I want to be thin or I want to lose weight or I want to get these things, it's not about that. It's about what they believe they get because of doing that thing. And it's then about exploring that so that we can understand, okay, well, what are you really wanting out of this so that we can find it in a much more healthy way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And oftentimes, do you have to help them replace that? Like if they think that they get something good out of dieting, do you find help them discover something that they can get something good out out of it as well instead of the dieting? Totally. And so I'll go through when I'm working with people, I'll get them to watch different videos. I will get them to read different books. I'll say, read this article. I'll send them exercises that I'll get them to do. And then we'll go through the exercises. And one of the things that I'm kind of wanting people to do, like two, twofold really, is like I want someone to reach the decision on their own. Because it's one thing to tell someone and it's another thing to have someone discover it on their own. So I'm wanting to get them to go through things, to watch things, to understand things so that they have those aha moments on them on themselves or by themselves and so that they then kind of really start to believe it so that they kind of implicitly know this stuff. And the other thing is like really starting to look at sort of their other areas of their life. Because often when people are doing those behaviors, it's like there's something else that is missing or there's lots of other things that are missing within their life. And so it's about, okay, well, what are the things that we can be doing? What are the stuff that we can be inserting so that you don't need to be doing these behaviors, so that you're finding enjoyment, you're finding um, comfort, you're being confident, et cetera, in these other ways so that you don't have to keep that behavior. 
Yes, exactly. And speaking of behaviors, can you explain to me what a problem behavior is? So I'd say a problem behavior, and I mean, look, it's in, a, in kind of general sense would be sort of any behavior that someone's keeping up that they really don't want to be following through with, that they don't want to be doing. And when I say a problem behavior, as I said before, people keep their problems for a reason. So while they may label it as a problem behavior and while it may be a problem, it is still serving them and it is still doing something really important for them. And one of the things that I work on with people is really starting to understand why they're doing that problem behavior so that we can be giving them something better to be doing in its place that still meets the same need. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I see. Um, okay, cool. Well, switching topics a little bit, can you tell me a little bit about your views on sugar and like the whole demonizing sugar thing going on recently? So my take on, like, and this is for, for all foods, is that there really is no kind of good food and bad food. Like it really does totally depend on context. And I, I remember when I was first into nutrition and I was really um, got into sort of the Western A price stuff and they were kind of really big on how sort of vegetables are really evil and how sugar is really evil and how sort of the refining of white products and all of that is really evil. And you know what? When people take that stuff to extreme, then I totally agree. But the thing is, when you are using those things within the kind of um, – sort of encompassing it in a normal, healthy diet, I don't think that there's a real problem with it. And the, the way I kind of explain or think about it, I remember at school there was a thing called opportunity cost, and it was from, from studying economics. And opportunity cost is when you make a decision, so you make decision A, the opportunity cost is all of the other decisions that you could have made in its place. So if you choose to, say, as a snack, have a chocolate bar, the opportunity cost is that for that snack, instead of that chocolate bar, you could have had a piece of fruit, you could have had a piece of cheese, you could have had a piece of pizza, whatever it may be. And where I see the issue with sugar or where I see the issue with lots of foods is often not the food itself, but the opportunity cost. So the fact that during that meal that someone had chocolate, it's the fact that they missed out on all of the other things that they could have had. And so if you're having chocolate not that often or you're having sugar not that often or you're having sugar and then you're having a meal around it so it's not just that chocolate bar at the same time as you're having a chocolate bar, you're having, I don't know, a banana and some cottage cheese or whatever, then the opportunity cost is a lot less. And that's where I think there is a problem when people's diet is just starts to become so devoid of real food and they're having so much kind of quote unquote junk that it then pushes out all of that other stuff. And I think the, the issue is sort of what you're missing out on as opposed to the inherent badness, if that's even a word, of sugar or of chocolate or whatever it may be. Exactly. I completely agree. And that's why I think it's really important. And like a lot of my listeners have a lot of nutrition information in their heads. Like they know what foods are optimal for energy and what foods are optimal for sleep and all this stuff. And they're kind of trying to work on not having to keep all of that nutrition information in their head all the time consuming them. But I think 
And I have mentioned this on a podcast before. I think it's pretty cool that we have this information in our heads so that we can use it to better our judgments on what foods we eat. Not to say good food, bad food, but to just say, you know, I'm going out and doing this today. What kind of food is going to fuel me for my day? Like what food is going to make me feel optimal? And like a lot of times a chocolate bar for breakfast is not going to do that. It's not going to set us up for feeling amazing for the day. So just using that knowledge and just being able to say, well, I know a banana and cottage cheese is going to like really feel me for this workout or feel me for, you know, shopping all day long or whatever it is. It's great to be able to eat all the foods you want, but just to eat them in a way that's going to help you with your day's goals, not just your physical goals, but your day's goals. And I think, look, for a long time, when I've written on my blog and when I've kind of chatted with people, I'm always about like, I want you to get back into intuitive eating and I want you to get back into listening to your body. And I think that's really important. But I also think that there does need to be some kind of uh, intellectualizing or thinking about the foods you're eating because it can be too easy to go from sort of one end of the spectrum where you're just like totally focused on every last morsel of food that comes into your body to then let the pendulum swing to the total opposite end where it's like I'm just going to eat whatever I feel like I'm going to whatever I feel like I want to eat today and I think there needs to be some nice middle ground where you're like you know what I do need to listen to my body but I also do need to be uh, thinking about this and thinking okay well what works for me and I'll, I'll give you an example because Often when I'm starting working with people, and a lot of the people I work with have issues around food, whether it be sort of out-and-out issues in terms of sort of anorexia, or it's just they're somewhere on the spectrum. Like they've had some a difficult time with food, they've had difficult time with body image, etc. And a lot of the time when people aren't eating very often or aren't eating enough, there's this real misconception that they're like, totally hungry all the time they're having to really work at not eating but what I find for a lot of them is they're genuinely not hungry like the fact that they haven't eaten for so long has just really blunted their hunger signals and they often will get hungry only when they eat sort of a decent sized meal and it's at that point that like the floodgates will often open or it feels like the floodgates open and they then feel like they're going to consume a whole heap of food but they will often wake up and they're like, I'm just not that hungry. And if I was to say, you know what, just listen to your body, they pretty much get through the day without eating anything. So I've got to be saying, okay, you know what, because of what you've been through and because of the way you've been eating, the way you've been living, at the moment, the signal that you're getting in terms of not being hungry is not something that you should be listening to at the moment because it's not giving you the correct feedback. If you can get to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, you haven't eaten anything, then obviously you need to be making some changes so that you actually get some, some food and some nutrition into you. So in the beginning, it's like, you know what? I know you're not hungry for breakfast, but I want you to have something. I know you're not hungry for a mid-morning snack, but I want you to have something. And it's about then retraining them to start to eat and retraining them to get in tune with their body. And what will happen over time is the more they eat, the more that appetite comes up and the hungrier they get, and they start to relearn those signals. But if they only did the kind of intuitive eating thing, then that doesn't really happen. That's so, so fascinating. It's so interesting because people oftentimes that think that 
your stomach growling is just because your stomach is hungry, but it's actually because of conditioning. It's conditioned to not eat all day, or it's conditioned to eat um, once a day or six times a day. And that's why people can oftentimes expect to get hungry every single three hours because they're used to eating every three hours, or if they do um, intermittent fasting and they only eat once, that's how they are able to do that because they're training their stomach to tell them to eat that one time a day. And that's why it's so important to eat, like pick an eating schedule that's going to be easy with your with your day schedule. Like if you're a busy person going around to accounts all day for work, or if you have a, a huge family you have to take care of and you're always on your feet running around, you probably don't want to force yourself to have a six meal a day diet, you know? And if you're someone that has plenty of time to relax, maybe you totally do well with eating six times a day. It, I mean, your schedule definitely needs to align with how you're eating. Sure. And look, I know I would agree with that. But what I would also say is I think sometimes people can eat in a way that is easier for their habit or for their lifestyle, but isn't necessarily the best way to support them. And so whenever I'm working with people, it's like, let's try it out. Let's see what happens when you're eating every three hours. Let's see what happens when you eat every four hours. Let's see what happens when you eat every five hours. And the thing with doing that is you want to start to work out, okay, what works best from a health perspective? And yeah, you know what? Maybe you are going to be a little bit busier and it's more difficult to get some food in. But if what serves you better is to be eating every three hours, then find some way of being able to do it. Like take a flask where you've got um, some soup in it and take it into work or make yourself a smoothie before going out that you can take with you or keep some snacks in your handbag so you've got some dried fruit there or you've got some biltong or you've got some stuff there to eat. Because I find for some people, they get into the habit of doing what best suits their life without actually thinking about, okay, well, what best suits my health as well? Mm -hmm. Totally. I completely agree. It's very important to be able to bring both of those factors together. Okay, cool. Well, I've got one more question for you, Chris. Um, what would be the number one tip you would give someone for strengthening their mind-body connection? Um, my number one tip, I would say, would very much be just focusing back on yourself and really starting to... Uh, focus on what your body needs as opposed to sort of how it looks or aesthetics or what society tells you you should be eating or society tells you you should be living and really getting you to kind of just become more in tune with your body. And I, did, I know this kind of sounds like the things I've already been saying, but I really kind of can't hammer this point home enough. And it is really what I work on when I'm working with someone is like, working out what really works for them because if you're just constantly trying to find a diet by going through diet book after diet book and just trying things out sort of randomly the chances of you finding what's going to work for you are kind of slim to none but if you can be very much kind of focusing on okay well i'm going to try this out and i'm going to see which components work of it okay that part works for me so i'm going to keep that and then i'm going to try this and you starting to uh use a process to work out what works for you that's how someone gets to that place yep so true and tell me what's in store for the future of seven health so I've actually just spent the last couple of days just mapping out what I've got going on for the next year, which is actually a really, really fun process. And I'm not a big one for sort of 
goal setting or New Year's resolutions or anything like that. But it's nice to kind of just map out and know what I'm I'm doing for the year. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be taking on clients. I I only take clients on twice a year. I work with sort of 20, 24 people, something like that at once. And I work with them for a period of five months. And then I take another set of clients on for the second half of the year. So I'm going to be doing that fairly shortly. And then I constantly am kind of creating new programs and new trainings. And so it's just kind of looking at what are the things that people are really asking for and what are they kind of really wanting help with and just kind of creating things that are really going to help them with that stuff. And so, yeah, I've got a, an online program called The Real Health Formula, which I run a couple of times a year. And that, in a lot of ways, does what I do with clients, um, but just going through it online. So there's video trainings and different modules, etc. And so it's about, from my perspective, creating more of those things because I can only see so many clients in terms of there's only so many hours in the day, but also it's a, a pretty draining experience. Like I really, when I'm working with someone, I want to give it my 100%. I do so much research. I'm going through food logs. I'm looking at blood tests. I'm like really trying to sort of work as best I can to help that person out. And there's only so many times or so many people I can work with at once. And so I want to be creating ways that I can be just helping lots more people out. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Chris. I am so glad that we met each other last year because I just feel like I'm, I have so much to learn from you and I know that my listeners are learning a lot from you. So continue to just rock out 2015. Cheers. Well, yeah, it's been great chatting with you and yeah, meeting you too. So yeah, I hope 2015 is good for you as well. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. See you later. Cheers. Bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.